Hi there, listener. It's Matthew. You've come looking for an episode of the Children's Book Podcast, and you've found it. Hooray! But you're probably wondering why the name of the podcast has changed. After eight years of doing the Children's Book Podcast, I began a new career as head of podcasts at A Kid's Company About, where I now oversee a podcast network dedicated to producing original content that talks up to kids, centers the things going on in their world, and engages and challenges how they see the world and themselves. All of the episodes of the Children's Book Podcast are still here, but now, if you're subscribed, you'll get new episodes of Worth Noting, a kid's podcast about current events, hosted by me. Something for you and the young people in your life to enjoy together. Enjoy this episode, and I hope you'll check out Worth Noting and other podcasts from a kid's company about... Support for the Children's Book Podcast comes from Storyteller Academy. Learn the art of storytelling and unlock your creative potential with a team of story coaches and published professionals helping you achieve your creative goals. Sign up today at StorytellerAcademy.com. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm doing just fine. It is very nice to make your acquaintance. It's nice to make your acquaintance as well. I've listened to the podcast. I feel very familiar with your voice. A filmmaker and parent of picture book readers makes a documentary about the beauty and purpose and heart of picture books. This is the Children's Book Podcast, episode number 549. I'm your host, Matthew Winner. Today I'm speaking to Joanna Rudnick, the director and producer of Story and Pictures By. Story and Pictures By is a feature-length documentary exploring the power and reach of children's picture books through the lens of three of today's most original authors and illustrators, Mac Barnett, Christian Robinson, and Juji Morales. The project launched on Kickstarter at the end of October, and as of posting this episode, they are in their final week of raising funds for the project. With over 70% of funds raised and an end date of Friday, November 22nd, I felt this was a story, a mission, and a project many of you might stand behind. I've linked to the Kickstarter in the show notes so that you can see the trailer, but be warned, it's gonna make you feel all the feels. If you're listening to this episode after November 22nd, the project hopefully is fully funded and is continuing on with production with an end date uh, goal of January 2022. So we'll all be watching for that. But in the meantime, please enjoy and welcome my guest, Joanna Rudnick, the director and producer of Story and Pictures by... My name is Joanna Rudnick. I go by the pronouns I use are she, her, and hers. I'm a documentary filmmaker based in Oakland, and I am also a children's book lover. Yay! Fellow children's book lovers unite! (laughs) (laughs) Am I I right in saying that you are also a, a mother of at least a couple kids? I think more than one, right? Yes, I have two daughters, seven and eight, so I have been steeped in the world of picture books. Uh, the past eight years, I've been reading them from board books to picture books and 
they are now reading um, chapter books and graphic novels, but we still read picture books in our house. And I think that's really important that just because children can read chapter books and graphic novels, I still love reading aloud and I still love the art of reading at night. So they're buried in books, but we still make the time to read books together, whether that's a chapter book or a picture book, and have that theater of reading be a part of our family tradition. Theater of reading as well as that opportunity to be up close with art. We talk so much in children's literature about how picture books are often the first time that any child gets to be up close with art and um, to know that, that we raise them that way um, makes me question why we would ever move away from doing that. But I'm in a profession that I don't, we, we lean into picture books all the time. So it's great to hear that you also value them that way. They really are everybody books, including the person reading to the child and the child as they grow into adulthood to be a reader to another child. Yeah, I think it's so true. And one of the things that I think is a bit sad is when, when families, children graduate, let's say, or they think, oh, I don't want to read a picture book anymore. Everybody's reading chapter books or graphic novels. I'm not going to take a picture book out of the library. And if you remove them from the shelves, of your home, then they're no longer part of that discourse. And like you said, uh, you're missing that opportunity to look at and react to art. And you're also missing the conversation piece. I think for me, I talked about this in a video I made about why I want to make the film is the time where we read together at night is this digital time out where we put our devices down, we look at our kids in the eyes, we're open for conversations, there's no distractions. And it's a little like that at the dinner table, but they're still eating and everyone's trying to tell each other about their day. It's kind of like that deep breath you said. You know, you, you a lot of that armor goes away, you're vulnerable together. And that's really where I feel like a lot of the rich conversations we have with our children happen around the picture book and around uh, the story that we've just read, whether directly connected to it or completely indirectly connected to it. Nice. So I want to get into this documentary that you have made, that you are sharing with the world. But before that, I want to know a little bit more about how books get into your house, because it sounds like you're reading a lot of books. Are you a a book buyer, a library user, a little bit of both? (laughs) Tell me a little bit more about what reading life looks like in your house. Well, that's a really great question. I've not been answered that asked that before. We are book buyers. We have a number of great independent bookstores nearby, and we are also library goers. Um, both my kids have library cards. We visit our local library. In fact, in our little town in Oakland, we just passed an ordinance where our library stays open. It was only open a few days a week. Now it's open every day, so that's been very exciting. And so, yeah, a combination of both book buying um, and of library going, but um, trying to have our children have agency since a young age of being able to go in and touch a book and pick a book off the shelves. I think that's such an incredibly important part of of childhood is having some power to at least pick the book you're reading. Yeah, I have two different readers in my house, two little readers. We all four of us are readers. <laughs> my family is a family <laughs> of readers, but um, my nine-year-old he his agency in in children's books has looked um 
in such a way that he never wants to repeat a book, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. The way he just always is craving new and different stories, even from when he was a little baby. It was, no, we already read that one. We can't read that. Um, <laughs> and my daughter, uh, who is four, is quite the opposite. That if I don't hide a book, we will read the same book maybe forever. <laughs> And, you know, daddy has a podcast. Daddy's reading a lot of books so I could stay on top of children's literature. And so it's it's neat to be able to see that from that vantage point of of a child who um, is is perpetually finding herself in books and wanting to hear them over and over. And of another child who wants to continue exploring and seeking out new stories and trying to find really for him, I feel like he's trying to find what hit, what really fits him as a reader? He, he's searching still. What are your readers like, Joanna? Yeah, I think, um, well, right now they are so buried in graphic novels. I have to tell you, that is just Sweet. a 7 and They are devouring them. They will not look up from the books. And they do reread things that they love. Um, you know, there's no uh, rules about that. And I think that... Um, my older daughter likes to go back to things that made her feel a certain way. And she wants to read that book over and over again, like your daughter. She'll want to go back to something. She'll want to hear a Shel Silverstein poem she's heard before. She'll want to go back to a book. She'll want to remember something on a page, an image, a character, and she'll want to go back and revisit that, um, which I find really interesting. And I love um, watching her train of thought. I understand her by going into there. And I think my younger daughter um, is um, tr- is gr- grabbing onto something and then wanting to read everything in that series or everything by that author. She's actually a really big fan of Mac B, Kid Spy, because she wants to be a spy. <laughs> so Mac B, Kid Spy is like really her jam right now. And uh, we are we are living in those books, and it's it's nice to have Mac as one of the people that we're following for the children's uh, for story and pictures by for the documentary, because That's then awesome. I can find out when the kid spies are coming out. <laughs> oh, you can find out. We, oh yeah, the the um, the terrible two, the Brixton brothers. There's a couple of chapter book series that that yep. my readers, especially in my library, have loved hard from. From Mac, but let, let's get into this. Tell me about stories and pictures by. Tell me about this documentary. What is it? And then let's walk backwards and talk about how you got into it. Sure. Um, well, you know, uh, Story and Pictures by is a feature-length documentary film about children's picture books. And the way that I decided I wanted to tell the story, because obviously it's a gigantic topic, you've done over 500 podcasts um, on children's literature, is I decided, first of all, I want to focus on the picture book because it's such a unique art form. And if I started to get into YA or even um, how to read books, or I, you know, it would just get too massive and I wouldn't really be able to celebrate and talk about what is so unique um, in the picture book art form. And I also didn't want it to feel like it's a dead art form. And we're talking about these greats who lived in the past, who you're very familiar with and um, or my generation is, and it's a nostalgia um, type of film. I wanted it to be a living, breathing look at children's picture books today. 
um, from the makers who are making them, from people who are really pushing the art form and um, how the art form itself is changing and growing and developing. Um, and, and then also looking at the history and kind of answering some of the questions that your listeners might know a little bit more or people who are really inside baseball, as we say. But for me, I, I didn't know so much about what a Caldecott sticker was and why the Caldecott committee, you know, it goes to the illustrator and how they make decisions or really how a picture book is made. Do the authors and illustrators work together? Um, so all of these questions that I had truly as a parent and reader, but not someone on the inside, not a librarian, not a publisher, not an editor, not a teacher. Um, I really fell in my own curiosity in what I thought maybe a popular audience might also question about how picture books are made and um, how they came to be and and really where they're going. And then, of course, what purpose they have in our lives, really elevating them to the impact that I think they do have on children. So that is where it all came from. No, sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just going to jump in and say, I find it so interesting that the the three individuals you follow in thinking of that theme of what purpose do picture books serve, you're following Christian Robinson and you're following Mac Barnett and you're following Juji Morales. These are three picture book makers that have distinct voices and I would say three very different um, takes on impact on children's literature, their styles, their their approaches are all very child-centered, but also um, pointing out in very different styles into very different um, ways of understanding a picture book can be. So I wonder what what brought you to those three individuals. Well, I think you described it so well. You know, I was I had a number of conversations early on and talk to, um, start to look at children's books with that eye of who the makers are and where I can get those diverse voices. I think Christian, Judy, and Mac all bring something very different to the conversation. And what unites them in my mind, and I'm sure unites many picture book makers, is that they are so passionate about children and childhood and entering the lives of child children and the art form and the type of books that children should, you know, be exposed to and wanting to make sure they have those books. And so each of them was really opening up for me, I think, um, a different, and I'm really learning this, you know, I, I should say I'm learning from people like you, I'm learning from these authors, I'm learning from the publishers and editors, I'm really coming to this with a blank slate, which just like you said, with this conversation, would, you, know, you come with a blank slate, and you follow your curiosity and each of them is answering a different question I think I have about children's books and how they're made and how they impact children's lives. And, you know, one of the things that has been one of the greatest gifts to me and is not something I ever thought about when I started to make this film is I've learned a lot about parenting from talking to Juju Morales and Mac Barnett and Christian Robinson. And, you know, Christian and Mac aren't, aren't even parents and it's not about, it's not in that way, but I've learned about parenting and children in childhood. And I've, I've looked at my children differently at, in having these conversations. I don't know if that seems strange to you, but it seems so not, it's so interconnected. I don't think it seems strange at all, but I've also had the privilege of speaking to each of those three individuals. And so I think for people that have never met them, 
they might not realize or for people that have never met an author let's back it up all the way i grew up i mean one of the reasons why on this podcast we do images facing out of the guests on the show is in part to give children a face to go with a voice and a name because that's not something i ever had growing up uh i i think that I wasn't so naive to think that there that there weren't people writing these books, but I certainly never knew a face of a person making books for children. Uh, so so true. You know, knowing, actually, it, I'm no, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. I, I was just say, <laughs> please both <laughs> both at the same time. One, two, three, go. We love books. Um, no, you you share, you and then I'll and then I'll make remarks on these. Three individuals. Go ahead. I'd love to hear. Okay. I'll share this one thing because you just struck a chord in me. I'm sorry that I jumped in on it. It's uh, You said you know you had never really seen the face of a, of a children's book author. And when I was growing up, um, same thing. I never went to author readings. It wasn't part of my repertoire. But I did see Shel Silverstein's picture on the back yes. of um, <laughs> Books of Poems. You know that picture. And I went on a trip to New York City with my parents, and I was in Serendipity, the very famous iced coffee shop, drinking one of those enormous iced coffees. And I looked out of the corner of my eye, and I saw Shel Silverstein, and it was like the most exciting moment of my life as a child. And I was too embarrassed. I would not let my parents go up to him. I didn't want to... I didn't necessarily want to meet him, but it was just so exciting to see him and know that those poems that were just ingrained in my mind and all of those, you know, images that are so weird and wacky and uncomfortable and fun and delightful all came from that man. So that's the first time I really put together that, oh, yeah, there's somebody who's making these books and that picture I'm looking at is a real person. And here he is. Joanna, when I was in second grade, I went to an elementary school that was K-3. I was called to the library, which was, from my memory, not much bigger than the room I'm in right now. Just this, my, my home library at home, my, my office space. Not a very big room at all. Um, and whatever we were doing in, in, in the library, not checking out books at this point um, for this project in particular, but a couple of us were called down because we won books. And the book that I won, I don't even know what I did to enter. Uh, maybe I drew uh, a, a um, bookmark for the summer reading contest or something. I was always drawing. But the book that I won was A Light in the Attic. Mm. And it was the first book I ever won. And I I share often, um, especially with my students, that as soon as I could read independently, uh, I, I stopped reading. I, I didn't come from a home where we really had a, a reading culture that was healthy. Uh, my dad would read the paper. Um, but mm. other than that, I can't really picture anybody reading in my house. Uh, so receiving a, a, a big book, not a picture book, from the librarian was an altogether new experience for me. And flipping the book over, not knowing at all what this book was, flipping it over and seeing a man that, to me, looked like a sailor. Uh, (laughs) It was a completely different experience to me. I remember my dad always watched 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. And Shel Silverstein's picture on the back of that book, from my memory, looked like that. And I thought, oh, this is something completely odd. Uh, I don't even know, I think, how I processed it at that point. But to bring... Love that story. Yeah, right? To bring me back to talking about these three individuals that I mentioned I've had the privilege of speaking to, um, despite 
not having children, but having this connection to to parenthood, if you will, um, as you remarked. Mac, I always think of Mac now as this guy who worked for years at this summer camp and really saw these children that he worked with and made up stories. And for me, making up stories is sacred, is sacred time with children. You are inventing worlds together. And Christian Robinson, I think for anyone who has met him, knows that this is an individual who is tapped into childhood. Whenever I think of Christian Robinson, whenever I see a Christian Robinson book, I always think of Sesame Street. And I always think of the animated shorts in Sesame Street. Yeah, there's a lot uh, of, there's a lot of motion. Yep. Yeah, there's a lot of motion yep. in, in Christian's work, absolutely. The control of color in Christian's mm-hmm. work, the simplicity of shape in Christian's work speaks to that. And with Shuji, I see fire. I see a person who mm-hmm. passionately wants to center a child and fight for the advocacy of children. Um, oh, so true. And I, I just think that um, her art is is protest, is defiance. Mm. Uh, so I think it's so interesting that those are the three individuals you came to because as a librarian, looking out to parents, I often wonder who are the household names in children's literature? Because I wonder if if parents are aware. And I think that that is what was drawing me to your documentary was this notion of doing something outward facing to individuals who are not just fans of, of children's literature. Um, but, but for people that were reading these books with their children to know that, that there are these people on the other side of books who are devoted to centering your child in these books and they are working tirelessly to try to center your child in these stories. It's, it's so true. And I think the gift for me of being able to hear from those picture book makers, those authors and illustrators and what is going through their mind, how they think about childhood. And there is so much in Mac. I think what the, his picture book manifesto is one of the first things that I looked at yeah, when I was actually um, working on the film, and I just cried when I read it for the first time. I absolutely cried. And the defense of children, and also this idea that it's not like just we need to make more picture books. We need to make good picture books. And we need to make picture books that are reflective of children and where they can see themselves. And I think one of the things that I love about Max books, and they're delightful for a parent and a child because they're such rich narratives, is that the, it's the child or the protagonist is not always um, a good person or the best person, or they may have flaws and everything's not buttoned up and neat at the end. And it's more reflective of what life is really like. And I think that a child sees that experience and says, oh yeah, I relate to that character. I relate to this. And they're kind of in on the joke. You know, the kids are kind of in on the joke with Mac. And that's something I love as well. You just feel like he is writing for them. Something happened at this point with our internet connection and the audio on Joanna's end when she came back was a little quieter than the first half of the interview. So as you continue listening, you're going to hear that. Uh, but I think that what she says in the end is so powerful. 
and I wanted to make sure that you had a chance to listen. So uh, please enjoy the last few minutes of our conversation. He says in that picture of a manifesto, right at the beginning, something like, we make picture books for first for the reader and second for the person reading to the child and third for the person who is for the adult who is a fan of children's literature to put the child first and to be really exploring what that means and to have publishers that are willing to publish those books that um that may be uh on a different trajectory than than the mass market and picture books right now i think is an interesting thing to explore and i'm grateful that um he has a heart to explore it yeah i think what you just said i think all three of the people that i chose to follow are are pushing um what we read and see in a children's book in their own way you know why did i pick this these three children's book makers and i think that's part of it is I don't think it's just mask market um, uh, children's book publishing. I think they all care so deeply that children's experiences are reflected in books, that there's a delightful experience in this. And I think, as you said with Juji, that there is a sense of protest, that there's counter narratives to the rhetoric we're hearing um, out there and that children can make up their own decisions and be exposed to those counter narratives. And so all three of them offered a really unique look to me at what going back to the picture book manifesto is about making great books for kids yeah. um, and, and not just making books for kids, but making really, really, truly great books for kids. And that um, picture book manifesto, when I first heard it just made me cry. Mm. And I thought so much about my own children and this idea of lack of agency in children's lives. And I think when I said to you earlier, I've learned a lot about being a parent from some of these conversations is you know, I, I've had some conversations with Mac where I think about maybe I do make some arbitrary rules. You know, children have these arbitrary rules all the time. Mom says this, you know, my other mom says this, or dad says this, or grandma says this, or the teacher at school says this. There's so many different messages about what you can and can't do. And isn't it fun to have a space sometimes where you can break the rules? And then, you know, sometimes when I'm with my kids, I think, you, you know, they do need more agency. And I had an experience recently where I watched the debates, the the debates, um, democratic debates with my two children and exposed them to all sorts of big issues. You know, we were talking about some really heady topics and they're seven and eight afterwards. And I think making this film has made me realize that going back to the picture book manifesto, adult conversation does not mean that children have to leave the room. Children have to leave the room. And that directly impacts what I exposed my children to. And realizing they're getting exposed to it anyway. I might as well be there to have the conversation with them. And yeah. it should be in children's picture books too. Yeah. So in lifting up the picture book, in lifting up that format of storytelling, the one that so many of us do love and and um, hail because it is a powerful and sophisticated thing, what goes on in good picture books. Tell me where we are with this documentary. Is the documentary finished, done? I know that you have launched a Kickstarter for it and that um, by the time we're recording this, you're a bit over, I think, the halfway mark. 
Yes. Kickstarter is a necessary part of making a documentary. And um, it's also a bit torturous when you're uh, at the place where we are. So we're 70% funded. We have eight days to go. And it's an all or nothing platform. So we're hoping that people who love picture books, um, whether they, they themselves are picture book readers from their childhood, whether or not they are reading them with children's their children, they're an editor or a librarian, they work with children. They just know how important they are to literacy, to emotional literacy and visual literacy as much as written and um, heard literacy. We're hoping that they might want to help us make this film and, and join our community. So that, that's where we're at right now. We're about halfway through production. We want to follow Christian and Juji and Mac um, for about an, 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 another year. We've been following them for a year already, and we'll be editing at the same time. I know. Is it wrong is for me to say I also would like to follow them for another year? <laughs> <laughs> no. See, that's kind of – I know I get to, like, hang out with with these wonderful, wonderful people. I feel really gifted to be able to go – you know, I just went down to the border with Juji Morales, and Juji is uh, researching her next picture book, which will take place at the U.S.-Mexico border – and I was really kind of seeing how research for picture books are made and something I don't you don't know that we think about that often, that there's research there, too. And I was thinking, you know, this is just a dream of mine. I, you know, my career as a documentary filmmaker has really been in social issue filmmaking and in arts and culture um, biography and really looking at the at the arts and investigating them so this is bringing together so much of my loves and interests and I think the process of making art and that process of that art reaching an audience is what you're going to see in this film with the picture book and that is going to be a joy to experience yay well thank you for your heart and for making this documentary and for lifting up the picture book and for being an advocate for picture books and picture book readers. Uh, that's so important. And I'm so glad that, that you felt moved, felt compelled to wave that flag, to wave that banner. It is awesome. And I wish you all of the luck and good fortune. And I am supporting you. And I, uh, I hope many of the people listening here, um, We'll, we'll reach out to this uh, project with interest and support as well in any way that they can. Thank you, Matthew. And do I get to answer the question? Oh, it is time. We're all done talking <laughs> to the adults. Adults, you go do your thing. And um, now to remember those children that you are raising and that I am raising and that I have the privilege of working with every day and that Mac and Juji and Christian and other authors and illustrators have the chance to see. Joanna, I will see a library full of children tomorrow morning. Is there a message that I can bring to them from you? Yes. I want them to know that children's picture books are not baby books. And don't ignore that section of the library as you age and as you read. Go back and rediscover them. Rediscover new ones. There's new ones being made of wonderful ones every single day and reconnect to some of your old characters and see what you can find that's new in books that you loved when you were younger don't ignore the picture books keep them alive this is Darshna Kiani author of How to Wear a Sari coming in fall 2020 
Want to find out the latest South Asian books and children's literature? Check out www.darshanakhiani.com forward slash South Asian Kid Lit. The Children's Book Podcast is recorded and produced by Matthew Winner in his library studio in Ellicott City, Maryland. You can subscribe to the podcast and access the archive of over 400 episodes at matthewcwinner.com forward slash podcast. Our theme music is by Poddington Bear, care of the Free Music Archive. All views and opinions expressed on the show are those of the individuals and do not reflect ideas or viewpoints of the publishers of the books referenced. Want to help out the show? Writing a review on iTunes or sharing the podcast with friends through Facebook, Twitter, word of mouth, or any other means helps reach more listeners, which leads to more content and more amazing guests. And that's a very good thing indeed. Before we leave, I want to give a shout out to all of our patrons, those folks who are supporting the podcast and helping keep the lights on care of our Patreon page. Thank you, Tracy, Hallie, Chris, Amy, Summer, Sarah, Kate, Darshna, Patricia, Amanda, Theo, Jarrett, Justin, Anitra, Selaja, Ailey, Suzanne, Mike, Steve, Mia, Karina, Adrian, Irene, Kate, Ed, Jenny Sue, Cynthia, Sylvie, Doug, Amanda, Judy, Ruth, Elaine, Teresa, Alicia, and others who are coming with me on this journey. You're welcome to join us. Just visit patreon.com slash Matthew C. Winner and pick the support tier that's right for you. Teamwork makes the dream work, and each of you are helping to provide the tools necessary to make this podcast even greater. Thank you. We know you value what you put in front of your kids, especially when it comes to screens and podcasts. That's why we're excited to share a new podcast from our friends at Sleepiest, creating bedtime stories to help your kids fall asleep fast. Hello, Abby here. If you've got children and find bedtimes a struggle, I'd like to tell you about Coco Sleep, a children's story podcast designed to make bedtime a dream. Coco Sleep turns a chaotic bedtime into cozy bonding time. The stories are delivered in a pace that gently slows. Rumour has it that no one's ever heard an ending. So search Coco Sleep on your favourite podcast app and let's make bedtime a dream. That's K-O-K-O Sleep and I'll see you there.